2: I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire.
3: If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme.
2: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Well, oh, it is a brand new edition of NFL Explained. Mike Yam, joined as always by Super Bowl champion M-Rob, ready to go. I usually don't like doing this, starting off shows with okay. a pop quiz. Is it okay if I throw let's one your do way, it. though? Let's do it. All right, let's go back into the memory palace, April uh-huh. 30th, 2006. What happened <laughs> For M. Rob, on that day.
3: Memorable day. Uh, That was the day I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Back in those days, I feel like it was forever ago, but back in those days, what happened was the draft, you had the first night. That was the first three rounds. And then you had the second day, and that was rounds four through seven. And the fourth round started the day, and I had a party. In state college in Pennsylvania at Penn State. That's why I went to school at Penn State. Because I thought I was going in the third round, Mike. I really did, man. I had the Pittsburgh Steelers call me. They said, hey, we have two picks in the third round. We're going to get you with one of these picks. I waited. I bought a car the day before. <laughs> Here we go. I, mean, I drove my 2000, and well, with that time, what was it? 2007 Tahoe. Chevy Tower, that's when they first changed the body. I drove it right off the showroom floor. I thought I was doing it. I thought I was big time. And third round happened. Pittsburgh Steelers picked. They picked the returner, uh, Willie Reed. I remember the guy they picked out of Florida State, who we ended up beating in the Orange Bowl just a few uh, months earlier. They picked Willie Reed, and then they picked the quarterback from Bowling Green, I think, in the third round, in the, in the end of the third round. And I was crushed. I did not think I was going to get drafted. So did you try to return the Tahoe. I thought about it. Okay. I really did. I I, I I turned to my mom and I said, "Mom, look, I gotta take this truck back. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna get if I'm gonna be able to pay for it." And I remember my agent called me, Joel Siegel. I remember him calling me saying, "Dude, relax. You're gonna be able to pay for your truck."
4: Well, things worked out okay for you. And as you made reference to part of uh, that Penn State team, you were actually one of six Knitley Lions actually taken that day, which actually leads us to our topic today here on NFL Explain: which colleges send the most players to the league. You got schools like LSU saying that they're DBU. By the way, we always throw out these phrases because I've had UW, so Washington, Pro Day the last few years, and I go up there to Seattle. And I keep saying that they're DBU. They're DBU. So we're going we're gonna to put all this stuff in. Maybe I've been wrong. Maybe some other fan bases have been wrong. <laughs> <boy So> Marcus <laughs> Peters thinks you're right. i <laughs> tell you that. I, exactly. <laughs> Marcus Peters, who was there when I was covering the Pac-12 uh, for a long period of time there. But when we're, we're what we're going to do is do some quick dives into the numbers, see which schools can actually say, you know what? We are NFLU. Obviously, some schools have better resources than others. But is there anything else that you can point to from maybe your time at Penn State, M. Rob, that says, hey, this is the reason why school X has more players than other universities in the NFL?
3: Well, to me, I think it obviously comes down to who you have coaching the team. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Uh, you know, a lot of our high school players, a lot of our collegiate players, they're playing the game of football in college so that they can have an opportunity to play in the National Football League and have an opportunity to support their families for a very long time. So we we can't be novice to, to, to that fact. But I know for me, a big reason why I chose Penn State was, one, I always played the long game, Mike. I mean, I've always played the long game. And so I'm not going to be playing football my entire life. There will be an opportunity or a chance for me to get employment some way, somehow, by dipping into this alumni base. So that's a big reason why I went to Penn State, number one. Number two, when I went on a visit there, obviously I was in the College of Communications. They had this big setup for me, man. Pray, you know, the drum major and all of that type of stuff. Set up with my jersey. This is how you're going to look. And I act like I was sick and I sent everybody home and I went back to my hotel and then my, me and my parents, my brother, we walked over by ourselves to the College of Communications. And I had what sold me on Penn State. And I know this has nothing to do with football and we work at the National Football League yeah. and it's a football podcast. But what sold me on Penn State was an undergrad, a, a young lady. I can't remember her name right now. She was a sophomore. She literally walked me through The entire program, the entire building, she walked me through how to use Final Cut Pro. She, I mean, everything. And I told myself, I want to know communications. I want to learn communications at a level where I can do that. And quite frankly, I remember calling Joe Paterno at the time and saying, I'm sorry, old man, you didn't sell me. You didn't convince me. This young lady did, and that's why I went to Penn State.
4: So when you're in the league, and I know for a fact that there's a lot of pride that NFL players have (laughs) in where they went to school and the conversations that are happening within games, but I don't know if I've ever heard of a player pretending that they were sick on a recruiting visit (laughs) just so that they could do their own thing on campus and really learn. Have you heard, like, your teammates in the NFL, anyone else ever tell you a similar story?
3: No, nobody's ever told me that. You know, I advise a lot of young people coming out of high school and, Some of these guys are starting to, you know, filter into the National Football League. And I always tell a lot of these guys, look, this is one of the biggest decisions that you're going to make in in your entire life. I was never this was before the transfer portal. So we didn't have free agency or college free agency, as I like to say it now. We didn't have that back in those days. So I knew that this this decision was going to affect me for the rest of my life. And, and, And at the end of the day, guys. I'm proud that my school, Penn State, I'm proud of my school because we've had 375 players drafted all time and our seventh most of any school. So I have a lot of pride about Penn State.
4: Well, m Rob, how about the Irish here? Notre Dame They actually lead the way with 522 picks overall. Part of me feels like that's because they were good really before face masks, right? Like yes. back in the day, some of the old They've school footage. been around footage. for 200 years. I uh, know, right? a, a million years. <laughs> Dinosaurs were out there and you got Notre Dame helmets and logos, uh, you know, fighting off off like pterodactyls and the whole thing. Number two, by the way, is actually one of their rivals in USC. So I know Ronnie okay. Lott right now is smiling somewhere, and Willie McGinnis, who we're going to be working with yes. on Total Axis, is, you know, throwing up Welcome the two. Welcome to tube. the Big Ten! Yes! <laughs> uh, which is still weird to say. And speaking of the Big Ten, I'll throw Ohio State into the mix. Okay. They actually sit at number three all-time. The Buckeyes, do. You know, they can flex a little bit the most first rounders with 87, which is obviously a huge total. But let's take a look at the construction of current NFL rosters. As of July 25th of this year, It's no surprise. Alabama's got the most rostered players with 73. Mm. That's just over two Bama players per squad. They're followed by another SEC rival. You're right. It is crazy. LSU with 69. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan round out the top five. This year, Bulldogs, I mean, it felt like, when I was covering the draft on (laughs) NFL.com. It felt like every other pick was one of Kirby Smart's guys. But they set a record in the seven-round draft model, 15 players taken. But I think we should focus in on quarterbacks like we usually do okay. on NFL rosters, because this one is a little bit of a surprise to me. Cal actually has the most quarterbacks on a roster. So there's something in the water in Berkeley, right? Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff certainly comes to mind. Davis Webb, Chase about Garbers. Garbers. Web. Yeah, yeah, man. Getting a little burn with the, yeah. with the Giants. And then Garbers now in Vegas, but tied for number two. Explain this one to me. North Dakota State, the Bison. Really? Three dudes. Exactly. Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, Easton Stick. That's the one that I didn't really know about explain to me how a school like that has three quarterbacks in the nfl
3: Well, I think especially when you look at North Dakota State, it has to be the construction of their offense, right? They have a very, very QB friendly style of an offense, uh, an offense that's a matchup based an offense that spreads you wide open and allows the quarterback to have a lot of different tools to use at his disposal to beat any defense. And I think it started with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, I think, opened up a lot of people's eyes to what's going down out there in North Dakota. But our listeners have to understand the style of offense makes a difference. When I was getting recruited to Penn State, one of the biggest knocks on Penn State that a lot of opposing schools said was they don't have a pro-style offense. And I didn't say it out loud, Mike, but I kept on asking about saying to myself, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? that the What is having a pro-style offense? We're still just throwing the ball and catching the ball, running the ball, trying to score a touchdown. Like I didn't quite get it. And then I got to Penn State, and this is no knock on, on my school or anything. On the coaching there at the time, it, was, it just was what it was. So I'll, I'll give you an example of a play when I was at Penn State. Um, Rocky Pistol Hot Red 91.
4: OK, I'm having a flashback to once again, my Netflix <laughs> password from my cousin and our no. play <laughs> offensive play calling episode. Yeah. So tell me about Rocky. Yeah. Very different Rocky than the one I'm thinking well, of.
3: Well, It was just basically, you know, the formation and, and ninety one was the protection, but it was also the route. Quick, easy. Right. They were trying to make it as simplified as possible for the collegiate athlete. Same play in the National Football League is double wing right, quick ace right, 212 F flat. I mean, it's telling every single person what to do, right? And so guys that go to Alabama, people that go to North Dakota State, these quarterbacks are for four and five years actively saying the vernacular that most of the National Football League is using. So to me, that's what gets the guys ready. And that's why you can go down to North Dakota State. You can go to Cal and say, man, there's something in the water because these quarterbacks come out a lot more ready than other quarterbacks.
4: Yeah, it's funny because at the top of the show, you made reference to coaches and Justin Wilcox is now the head coach at Cal. Mm -hmm. Defensive-minded guy, but yet, Chase Garbers was his quarterback that now finds his way to the NFL. And yes, there's been a little bit of a revolving door in terms of offensive coordinators, but they did bring in a guy in Bill Musgrave who is their O.C., NFL experience. And I think it speaks to what you're talking about with the verbiage that some of these players are, are practicing on a regular basis. I also mentioned Alabama, the most rostered players in the NFL. They also have a ton of resources. That always helps. <laughs> um, they got cornerbacks, coaches and safety coaches making at least 800K a year. Wow. Sign me up. Wow. I'm ready. Wow. Director of football recruiting, by the way, which is probably more of my skill set, making 165K. Dude, coach, can we get this dude a raise, please? <laughs> Tied currently the most running backs and DBs in the NFL. Tied for the second most wideouts and d linemen, and they have the fourth most linebackers. They are a football factory. They're also a national championship winning factory. Bama, actually has the most first-round draft picks in the league by a margin of 25 to 15 mm. over Ohio State. But the Buckeyes, no question, no slouches when it comes to the wide receiver spot in the league. Second-most linebackers and d linemen LSU, May not exactly have the most DBs in the league, trailing Alabama 17 to 14, but they are tied for the second most wideouts and tied for the number one D lineman. So I know there's a lot there, and you made reference to it, your your old squad, Penn State, ninth most players on a roster. But there's a lot of love for Nick Saban's crew.
3: Yeah, it's a lot of love for Nick Saban's crew. And not only does the talent in college football kind of follow Nick Saban and kind of is funneled to Alabama, look at coaching. All right, look at some of the ex NFL coaches, whether you talk about Bill O'Brien, he was a coach at Penn State, oh, yeah. whether you talk about Kiffin. Yeah, Lane um, Kiffin. Lane was there.
4: Kiffin. Sark was there Was he Sark. had a, a cup of tea with the Falcons. Yeah, yeah.
3: all of these guys kind of going to hiding or, so to speak, that down there in Alabama. And to me, that's what sets Alabama apart the coaching. I mean, if you, your position coach to have some of the experience that some of those coaches have down in Alabama, it, it's a recruiting tool and. I've been saying this for a while now with the NIL now being prevalent in collegiate sports with guys being able to make real salaries and be able to make real money. I no longer think that recruits go to college to win a national title anymore. See, when I was in school, that was big to me. Do we have an opportunity to win a national championship? I don't think that's the case anymore. I think now kids are picking and choosing a school based off, first and foremost, how can this financially help my situation at home, number one. Number two, how can this training help me to be ready to build my resume for the National Football League? Yeah. And that's it. I think winning a championship comes a little bit later in a recruit's thinking and development. And so when you look at a team like Alabama, that's why they get all the bigger recruits. That's why they get the best players. They get all the five-star recruits. Ohio State, I know uh, Larry Johnson Sr. He used to be at Penn State. Yeah. He's the big, big-time D-line coach there. The reason why they dominate in recruiting is because of the great coaching that both of those schools have.
4: You bring up an interesting point on NIL. I'm wondering now if college football, the talent disperses a little bit, not only because of NIL, but knocking on the door of an expanded playoff. All yes. of a sudden, some more More people get to sit at that table and go and eat. And I'm I'm just wondering, like, does that hurt teams like Ohio State and Alabama?
3: Well, I think it should. In theory, it should hurt those teams. But um, I think and I may get in trouble for saying this, but, you know, we're on a podcast. It doesn't matter. I don't I think the big reason why Nick Saban was upset early on when he made those comments about, you know, other schools paying players and, and things like that, because when there's rules set in place, that's the fence right that you can operate in. And when schools and people that know that that's the fence that you can operate in, you also know what's the out of bounds, what are the things you can do to give you an advantage and what NIL is doing now with schools and companies being able to pay real money to these kids is there's no longer that fence around the field anymore. Yeah. You know, there's no longer that out of bounds. And I think that's why you have so many of those big time coaches complaining.
4: Yeah. Player development, whether you're getting players from NIL or just feuding with other programs and Nick Saban (laughs) and Jimbo Fisher, probably not on each other's Christmas card list, I would imagine. (laughs) Just because you go and you play for a particular school does not guarantee success at the next level. In fact, Alabama hasn't exactly done great at quarterback you know i know what? people are going to be at me i'm just telling you like the numbers speak for themselves in fact a few of the top colleges have really struggled at the position and alabama not the team that i'm referencing here there's one squad that hasn't had a quarterback win a game in the nfl in its last 24 tries really yeah really that's right oh 0- uh-huh. and 24 we'll find out who that is Code up next on nfl explained sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world.
2: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film
1: podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
3: He has the smarts,
4: M. Rob with us. All right. Before the break, we said that there was one university that hadn't had a quarterback get a win in the NFL in its last 24 tries. You had a couple moments to to
3: rack your brain. You got a guess for me? Um... Why, why? I don't know why do the Tennessee Volunteers keep popping up in my head. I don't know why. I know that's probably not the answer, but I'm going to go with Tennessee.
4: Okay, you, I know why. Because <laughs> they haven't won a whole lot of football games at the college level yes. for a significant period of time. Not an awful okay. guess, Tennessee fans. Man, I am Sorry. not making friends in the <laughs> SEC. I know that. Notre Dame. How about the Irish here? All right, Brady Quinn, Jimmy Clausen, Sean Kaiser, Ian Book. You almost feel bad saying that just because – Sometimes it's situational stuff, yes. right? Notre yes. Dame quarterbacks, those wins combined at 16 and 64 since 2000. Wow, Ooh. that even hurts me saying that. Uh, not to be outdone, though. You got schools like Ohio State and Alabama. They've also had some struggles. Buckeyes quarterback, 17 and 34 since 2000. The Tide, 25 and 28. So just three games under 500. So, M. Rob, what is it about the larger schools that doesn't always equal quarterback success?
3: Man, it's crazy hearing that list of Notre Dame quarterbacks. Brady Quinn, we both were Heisman finalists yeah. in 2005. We both scored six touchdowns on the same day. We're, I mean, it's crazy. It was an NCAA record. It was crazy. Um, I digress a little bit. Yes, no, no, no. That's, but, um, uh, that's,
4: I'm like, I'd be puffing my chest out
3: <laughs> if I could say something <laughs> like that. But, you know, it's a double-edged sword when you talk about quarterbacks at these bigger schools oh. because on the one end, yes you're playing against the best of the best talent so you're able to show an nfl scout like look what i can do versus the alabamas look what i can do versus the lsu's but on the other side of that sword is you also play with a lot of talent on your side of the football as well with all the five-star recruits that these schools get the four-star recruits and so oftentimes a lot of the quarterbacks of some of these bigger schools The wide receivers are running wide open. They have dominant defenses. They have offensive lines that out of five blockers in front of them, three, four of them are first rounders. So when you're playing with that much talent, to me, it's hard to truly evaluate the quarterback position when you have so many Ferraris around you. That's why I think you get a school like a North Dakota State or you get, you know, some of the smaller, big, big, you know, big time schools still, but just smaller you get those quarterbacks sticking out a little bit more because they do more with less. To me, they're the reason why their team is so good. And so I think that's why they stick out amongst the rest.
4: OK, so this is probably a little old school, right? Bill mm-hmm. Parcells had a rule when it came to drafting quarterbacks, had to be a senior, had to have 30 starts, at least 23 wins and and a college degree. Now, things have changed dramatically in the college game. We're talking about freshmen. If you don't start when you get to a (laughs) campus, you're like, oh my God, I got to go into the portal and do the whole deal. So things have changed a little bit, but is there something that you would point to in that philosophy that does make sense where if you were a GM, you would point to a couple of those categories?
3: Yeah, for me, first and foremost, you have to pass the common sense eye test. Like I have to be able to look on tape and clearly... You're the best player on the football field. Clearly, you have all the movement skills and then obviously accuracy. I mean, the number one job of the quarterback is to throw the ball accurately to the ball carriers or throw the ball accurately to the playmakers and let those guys go do work. But for me also, it's the leadership skills. It's the soft skills. It's how do you command a huddle? It's your communication skills, right? And at the end of the day, I would, in a perfect world, I would like you to have two years of experience. A big knock on me as to why I didn't get an opportunity to play quarterback or get an opportunity to Try to play quarterback in the National Football League was, and a general manager told me this. The other quarterbacks in this draft, which was Matt liner Jay Cutler, guys like that, Mike, they have about 10,000 more game reps than you do at the position. And that was important for him.
4: It, it does make sense. And while you were talking, I was looking up, trying to find my notes from the year Trey Lance was drafted. Yep. One of my good buddies, Evan Moore's tight end in the NFL, played at Stanford. We had worked together for years and he used to say, hey, if you go through, and I don't have the exact numbers, but the last like you 15... You worked with Evan? Evan's my guy, man. He played so,
3: with Seattle. He played uh, with Seattle
4: with me, I've heard a couple of those stories. <laughs> that's for another edition of the yeah. podcast that's not called NFL Explained. <laughs> um, that's like NFL after Dark. maybe is is probably for that show. But he'd always said this, and and I don't have the exact numbers, but it was like, hey, the last 15 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks had that two year or so threshold of some of those starts. And that's what sometimes that conversation about Trey Lance made things really interesting at number three, deciding to go up and draft him because of the lack of experience, which by the way, is going to be on full display this entire season. We'll find out what Trey has from a Niners perspective, but we have established that quarterbacks that have the most accolades don't always thrive in the NFL. Got another quick quarterback stat for you. There's been three instances where four quarterbacks from the same school found themselves starting on the same week. This is wild. Okay. To me. NC State, right? Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Mike Lennon, Russell Wilson. Remember, all counting Russell. Oh, it yeah, is yeah you're going you're to count okay. that one who transferred to Wisconsin, of course. Michigan State, <laughs> and this is if we're going to count Russell, we actually can find a fourth name here. Michigan State, Kirk Cousins, Brian Hoyer, Drew. Stanton and Nick Foles, who I always think about as an Arizona Wildcat, Okay, so but obviously spent (laughs) one year at Michigan State. And then SC, you just talked about Liner, Mark Sanchez, Matt Castle, Carson Palmer, all starting on the same week, which is, to me, kind of cool.
3: A couple of those universities getting some dudes out there. It's super cool. Now, Yams, I've got a stat for you. Oh, here we go. The only Power 5 teams that haven't logged any starts in the NFL since 2000 are Kansas, Minnesota, Georgia Tech, and Nebraska. For all the success Nebraska has had historically, they haven't had one guy take a snap. That's a pretty shocking stat to me.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
2: My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trepani. I always wanted to be a criminal.
1: Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome back to NFL Explains, Mike Am and M Rob with you. Okay, so M Rob, look, there is a color that is meaningful: uh, yellow. Yellow Jackets, and I, you just dropped Georgia Tech. I'm no, I'm not not talking about those dudes. I'm talking about Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. schools with the most Hall of Famers. SC checking in at 14. They got some dudes. Notre Dame, 11. Miami actually has nine. You know, there was that heyday. Maybe we're getting back to that heyday with Mario Cristobal out there. Uh, Pitt also with nine. And then you got three teams, Rob with eight. Alabama, Michigan, and Ohio State. Syracuse, who I always think of as a basketball school. I know. Yeah, they, they got seven dudes. And then LSU, Oh yeah, You're Penn State. Penn yeah, State.
3: yeah, we got, yeah, we got my school up on there. Yeah. You got to have Penn State. Got to talk a little bit. I put SC 14, fourteen Hall of Fame players. Yeah. Wow, which
4: doesn't not super shocking, right? When you no. think about some of the the guy, I know a second time I'll reference Ronnie Lott, but they've had a ton of dudes come through that program as well. And I'll throw this your way, like. I think Willie is going to yes. be
3: kind of adding to that list. Willie McGinnis. One yes, of our, he will. I think Willie will get in at some point. I mean, to be the, the NFL playoff sack leader. Yeah. I mean, when the game was the biggest, Willie showed up now. But look, Yams, I got another one for you, man. Look, the schools that have had the most number one draft picks is definitely the familiar teams, right? Notre Dame, USC, Oklahoma, Georgia, all have had five.
4: Okay, not shocking because they're dudes. They got crazy programs. You chronicled what makes (laughs) a successful college program, player development and coaching. How about the little guys, though? I mean, this one sort of surprised me. The non-Power 5 teams that have had a number one overall pick. Tulane, Tennessee State, Tampa, SMU, Rice comes to mind, Penn, Penn. Mm. Yeah. Louisiana Tech, by the way, Terry Bradshaw there. One of our guys, we're not surprised, right? David Carr's out yeah. there. He's like, yo, yeah. make sure you include me in your show. <laughs> Fresno State, I got you. I got you. Colorado State, uh, Chicago, and then Central Michigan, Eric Fisher back in 2013. So some familiar names that are out there as well. And if we're going to talk a little bit about the really, really little guys, there are four draftees from Division III, two of them from Wisconsin Whitewater. Wow. What? Is that for real? Yeah. You know, they always say, like, if you're good, the NFL will find you. They which, will. They will. I know. Won't. And like, I used to say that, but like, not really believe it. But <laughs> I hear, I give a stat like that. I'm
3: like, oh, actually, it's kind of true. Well, I, they will. And like, again, I, I tell a lot of young football players in college that go to small schools. You want to get noticed, first of all, put yourself in the scout shoes. They show up to your game, yeah. they're watching the game. You have to clearly be the best player on the field and just proceed to go out there and break every single record that uh, the school has. That will definitely get you noticed.
4: OK, so I'm going to throw something and this. We're going to call an audible here because you and I did not discuss this before coming out here for okay. the show. But I think you're uniquely qualified because you mentioned it a little bit with some of the, And I'll use air quotes around little guy. But the resources, and I think Deion Sanders is sort of changing this narrative. But the other week on NFL Network, we had the Black College Hall of Fame Classic. So you got two HBCU squads squaring off. And all of a sudden, we're seeing an influx of talent deciding to go down that path. How much do you think HBCUs, who have, by the way, already had success finding guys in the Michael Strahan, Jerry Rice, like there's a significant list. How do you think that's changing the game?
3: Yeah, it's changing the game for the better and it's powerful. And shout out to Prime, Deion Sanders, one of my big homies, one of my mentors, a guy that we all in this game, especially in youth sports, we look up to him as to how much he affects young people. And he has the cool factor too. So Prime definitely understands what he's doing. But yes, the NIL whole situation is spreading the resources out. And I also think today's young person, especially today's black player, I'm just going to be frank with you. They have access to a lot of because of the internet, because of you know social media and all of those things. They have access to so much information and they're learning about the guys that came before them. They're learning even more than my generation, they're learning more about the people from Black colleges that came before them that paved the way. And so when I talk to young people, what I'm hearing is they feel kind of indebted. They kind of feel like they have to go back to continue the legacy, to continue to allow resources to be headed toward the schools that definitely need it. You
4: started this show talking about coaches. Prime, for me, was one of the coolest dudes. And then, you know, I think we've seen the documentaries. He's the one guy that I think started to get other former players, right? Like Eddie George is another guy. Do you think we'll see more former NFL players of that caliber start taking over HBCUs and pulling because of NIL, being able to pull more talent. Oh, you know, five-star recruits. I mean, Prime was able to get one of those
3: dudes. The game needs us to do that. Yeah. We have to be that. Football at a PhD level is us being all pros, us winning Super Bowls. And it's our duty as gladiators, is our duty as football players to go back into the well and teach what we know. And again, we also come, when I talk about, we. I'm talking about former players, we come okay. with their street credibility, right? Players know they've watched us, they've seen us, they know we've gone through exactly what we're telling them and it goes a long way in the locker room.
4: All right, before we wrap up here, you're on the football field, you're playing, you used to wear the Penn State uniform. Older guy that you didn't play with, younger guy that you didn't play with, you know they went to Penn State. What's that interaction before or after the game?
3: <laughs> oh man, it's, you know, it's it, especially, the older guys, right? Because we all played for one coach.
4: Yeah, yeah it's actually a great call. We all played for yeah.
3: one coach. You got and the it, same story. It unites us all. Uh, I remember, you know, playing against a bunch of different Penn Staters and. We all give the Joe paternal voice. We see each other. We take pictures, and we go, "Robinson, what are you doing? Stay in the
1: pocket.
4: Stay in the
3: pocket." I mean, we all <laughs> do the same voice, so yeah, man, it's a pretty special feeling. And again, because we all play for the same coach, it kind of brings us closer together. It's pretty cool.
4: Yeah, it is really cool. You know, it was a thrill for me. I was hosting Total Access, and it doesn't happen that often. Now, I went to Fordham University in the Bronx, and I got to tell you, on the short list, and I've been pretty fortunate here since I started to be able. To interview a lot of like really talented current NFL players, I could not have been more excited to talk to Chase Edmonds. Really? Like, I get him and I'm like, dude, (laughs) Arthur Avenue, Pugsley's chicken rolling a slice. But it's like those moments that. You know, like not for nothing. Like Chase isn't. There's not a lot of a lot of Fordham dudes, right? No, like in it's fact, not. There's only 32 players from NFL drafted. 29 of those coming from 1968 or sooner. You got John Skelton, the quarterback, who was actually yeah. with Arizona for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, remember John? Yeah, I yeah. with John. Um, and I obviously made reference to Chase Edmonds, who's now with the Dolphins, and then Nick Zakel, who got drafted by the Niners. I was doing the draft for NFL.com. <laughs> I see Fordham six round, dude. I went crazy <laughs> in the break, and everyone's looking at me. I'm like, guys fordham there's not many can we just own it a little bit and i think that's one of the coolest things people always ask me hey what's the difference between you know covering the college game and covering the pro game and it's those moments right like the paternal voice that fraternity Mm -hmm. right like those little subtle things from being on that campus i think is always cool but you go into any nfl city and to see the jerseys of all all those teams i mean you know you experienced it yeah like being on the field is pretty badass it is
3: it's cool and again like the jersey swaps, I mean, all like most of the Penn State guys that I've played against, I mean, I get their jersey afterwards. You, you know, you get to exchange ideas and not only seeing them after you play them in the National Football League – playing against them in the National Football League and then seeing them when you go back to college is even bigger treatment.
4: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild, man. And to see these dudes celebrate. I was at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Actually, it was USC Penn State. Really? Barkley was there. It was Saquon's year at the Rose Bowl. That wasn't great for your squad. No,
3: it was not great and, for my squad. Don't remind me. Of yeah, <laughs> I'm
4: on the sideline and it's Ronnie Lott, Leinert, Sanchez, Lynn Swan. Like those dudes are celebrating like they're college kids on the sideline. Oh well,
3: yeah, It's it's
4: It's kind of awesome to see some of that stuff. Because the legend lives on. Yeah, it does. It It does. All right. Final thing here before we let everyone go. And NFLU, like, is there one program where you just say, you know what? Like, this squad's got the bragging rights? Because, yeah, you could go most drafted Notre Dame. You could go most, you know, Hall of Famers SC, most first round pick. You know, we've chronicled a lot of
3: it. I would have to go at least in the modern times. It has to be Alabama. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just has to be. I mean, I don't know if there's been another program that's dominated for so long with athletes being able to go almost anywhere in the country. I mean, they've just dominated for a decade, almost two decades. Pretty wild. It's that yeah, Nick Saban guy who apparently is pretty good. <laughs> NFLU,
4: it has been awesome to go through some of these teams. Terrific job by you as always, man. Having a blast doing this podcast. And of course, you can find us on social media at Mike underscore Yam. And I know you're you're kind of a social media. Yeah, on, on my Twitter
3: at Real Mike Rob, Instagram at real underscore mike underscore rob. I got to say them all, Mike.
4: Yeah. If there's a, a topic that you'd like us to cover or a question you just don't know an answer to, you can add us. And I promise it'll make one of our NFL explained episodes. Thanks so much for listening.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than
1: a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
3: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael.
1: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips.
0: When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot
2: at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall.
1: Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire.
3: If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme.
2: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.